maybe it's webcam quality but it's to me less vibes and more like a little dark oh actually that should help a little bit hold on gotta turn on my gamer oh, lighting and get myself yeah nice the gamer purple. lighting is a nice one i can i can just feel that you're about to ready to go on a rant about a fake magic the gathering format this is this is the perfect lighting for it right <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to episode 224 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Casarapple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Hey Chris. I should have, I know we don't have show notes for this one, but we definitely should be the grumpiest podcast for this time. We are, I don't know, somebody can outgrump us. Like MTG Rants exists, right? That's true. They are quite grumpy. But I mean, well, we're... Ross is quite grumpy. Tannen is, you know, a little more chipper. Okay, that's fair. They, they have their balance. But today we're we're skewing more on the Ross side of things with the the alchemy format. Yeah. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably have seen my displeasure with some of the decisions that have been made about this thing. But I I think that this is a good space to like go into detail with, you know, I I think we'll talk about what we kind of like and don't like about the whole thing and i guess we'll talk about all like a ton of the cards are spoiled so we get to talk about those but i can't say that i'm like super excited to talk about them and i think a lot of my analysis is less going to be like oh yeah i'm excited to play with this card in this deck and more like critical feedback of the actual design of the cards because i think it is uh overall like really bad just like really poorly designed magic the gathering cards yeah and to be honest i haven't really looked at any of the cards besides the ones you have like sent me personally to complain about because they were too egregious yes those was like the extent of the cards i've been reading for alchemy because i'm like pretty much off arena at this point forever yeah so i'm at this weird space where alchemy exists and the idea of rebalancing a standard format is kind of interesting to me but then when they add a bunch of cards that are very between like maybe this is playable and just complete utter nonsense of a card car text mm-hmm. I, I find it really hard to be invested in like figuring out what these new things are and do and how to buy them and stuff like that right i mean these definitely feel the fakest of any magic cards i've ever seen i mean i guess these are kind of they are innistrad theme they they are innistrad like themed or whatever yeah they're supposed to be they're supposed to have expansions for each set like a month after mm -hmm. the set drops so what's the next set kamigawa so when kamigawa drops a month after that they'll come Mm -hmm. out with alchemy kamigawa neon dynasty and it'll just be some kamigawa themed nonsense cards that man there's a lot more cards in this set than i thought there'd be yeah there are a lot I don't know. Let's kind of start from the top. They announced Alchemy. This is a new format, and it is standard, but these additional digital-only cards get released, I guess, with every set, and they are applying some nerfs and buffs to cards, so this format operates more like other digital-only card games 
operate, where you can have balance patches on the fly. Also, any balance changes that they make to the standard cards are live in Historic as well, which we will get to because I think that's just a mind-boggling decision to make. That's the definition of what Alchemy is. And also, for what it's worth, Alchemy, it's only on Arena, obviously. But mm -hmm. it's not replacing Standard. It's just going right. to exist alongside Standard. So it's... I mean, it's, it's quote, not replacing, yeah. end quote, Standard, right? Like Yeah, it, you can still technically play Standard on the Arena client. And they may have Standard tournaments in the client still, but they are they keep their cards so close to the vest on what event formats are ever going to be on arena mm -hmm. that I, it wouldn't be surprised if alchemy just takes over for the standard format because and honestly i'm kind of here for that like to be mm -hmm. completely honest because arena doesn't make sense to me as a port of a paper game and not not using any of the the good parts of digital space like rebalancing cards which i think is actually good it's nice that you can have a standard format without omnath being banned because you just throw it into a card or throw it into mm -hmm. like a different version of a card because they rebalanced on math and took it off the ban list. Yeah. I mean, there's also something to be said for uh, that's all well and good for alchemy, the format. But what about for your standard players or even paper mm -hmm. players who don't play standard? These egregious cards are still being printed. And that's kind of a, a weird dissonance. Like, eh, we're not going to worry about that. Right. Well, and there is the scary potential implication which is like the we'll fix it in post attitude that they are now allowed to have uh because if most people who play magic are playing alchemy and historic then they can fix cards later but the paper cards are still going to be however they printed them and that that is not an ideal situation for us to be in yeah the optics of this is weird because it seems like standards just being phased out like classic standard mm -hmm. which makes it really weird for new paper releases yes because it's always been like an excuse that standard drives paper like rotation and set releases and new stuff like that but mm -hmm. it's been pretty clear for the last like year or two when standards been garbage and sets are still selling like crazy that's not just the case anymore well, so, I mean, and it's been more than a year or two, right? Like, Standard has just been bad for three or four years so now. I, I was I was being pretty generous. I have actually think Standard's been bad for a significantly longer period of time than, like, mm -hmm. five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think it has. And so I do appreciate the general attitude of, like, okay, we recognize, like, Standard isn't working and we need to change our approach. My ideal approach would be Let's go back and study the standards of yore and figure out what we did right and why those were good and why people like them and then use those design principles to aid our card design going forward. I don't know how to do that. And I don't know if this is like an admission that they don't know how to do that either or just that they don't want to do that. They want to keep printing cards the same way that they have been that has rendered standard like pretty unplayable for a while. But it is a little unfortunate that that isn't what's happening. That would be my ideal. But, you know, this is something. This is, okay, we want, we're want we recognizing that standard is bad and keeps being bad. And we're trying to do something to fix that. Uh, yeah, and I... 
<laughs> got a Simon interruption. <laughs> yeah, I'm just scratching at the door desperately. Why do you? There's nothing in here for you, bud. So I read all three of the alchemy articles, which is actually kind of challenging to do because the introducing alchemy page is like two paragraphs long and then an FAQ, which doesn't really say anything that <laughs> important. But it links you to the state of the game article, which is you know quite long and goes into details, which then itself links to a Donald Smith article mm-hmm. telling you how to why they're rebalancing cards and which cards they chose and why they chose those cards. But that link doesn't work; it just goes to the homepage. So then I googled Donald Smith Alchemy and found it via <laughs> Google. <laughs> Great. Classic Wizards digital implementation. Gives me a lot of hope for the future of Alchemy and their other digital offerings. See, I don't really have a problem with even though the cards they picked are so wild to me. Like so the <laughs> cards they're changing for Alchemy are Allrun's Epiphany, Asika's Chariot, Faceless Haven. Goldspan Dragon, Luminar Grassbreath, Omnath. Those are like the big six, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, changes of various levels. I'm not really going to go into details here and there. They're basically all nerfs to the cards. <clears throat> and then they buffed some crazy random cards, yes. which include Cosmos Elixir, an unplayable rare from Kaldheim, Demi Lich, the mythic everyone loved from AFR, which never did anything. Well, it actually sees some play in historic. It's actually like not that. It actually sees some play in modern with its stats the way they are. And then druid and wizard class, which are both uncommons. Oh, oh. don't forget Phylath Fi- World Sculptor. Yeah, the token World gets Sculptor. trampled the turn that you put the counters onto it. Yeah, all the buffs were extremely minor, except for maybe Demiliches, which gave it another point of toughness. That's probably the most significant buff. Which is a way more significant buff in would be for like modern when it gets bolted but less so in formats where a lot of the increments are like two damage well you can block phoenixes now wait hold on phoenix is only three twos right oh it doesn't yeah, fly Demi-Lich that's right does not have flying it just looks like it <laughs> i'm sorry flying. i'm sorry that's one of those edits i just added in my head it's a floating skull whatever well the other floating skull does have flying so that may be where you're confused probably the red one if alchemy were just rebalancing cards i'd say it's like a pretty good format or at least worthy to exist like whether or not it's actively independently good is is whatever mm-hmm. they're trying stuff out that's fine yeah uh, if you already own the cards and they get changed you don't get refunds or anything which really really sucks but is completely yep. expected but you still if you own the cards you still get to get all the copies of them you don't have to like get nerfed Alden's epiphanies from call time packs again or whatever mm-hmm on top of that, uh, like you said, they're doing alchemy packs, which come out after every set release, about a month after every set release. Uh, this one has 63 cards in it. It's all rares, uncommons, and mythics. There's just no commons in the set at all. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot, it seems to be a lot more rares and mythics than uncommons. Maybe that's the order that stuff is getting spoiled in. No, no, because. The... I don't know. It seems to be a lot more mythics and rares than uncommons. At yes, least. there's significantly more mythics. And, like I'm looking at the white cards of which there are 14 spoiled and there's two uh, yeah. uncommons. So 11, excuse me. Yeah, not not that many uncommons. But to make up for, you know, a pack contains commons, rares, 
and uncommons. Uh, they're just stuffing these cards into Crimson Val packs, kind of like repackaging them, mm-hmm. and then selling them to you as Crimson Val Alchemy packs. So they'll yeah. only they'll come with all the Crimson Val commons because the set has no commons in it. Uncommons that you don't own from Alchemy, and then rares and mythics you don't own from Alchemy until you own them all. Then those packs will start spitting out equivalent Crimson Val cards. Right, and so what this like does is allows them if people do play alchemy then that doubles the number of set releases that they get to make you buy i mean it just feels like a direct injection of like rares and mythics that you have to craft with wild cards into a format that they made up in order to give you rares and mythics that you have to craft with wild cards i you've looked at way 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 more cards in a set from me than me are any of these gonna matter at all uh yeah I think so. Here's Conductive Current. Red, red, red. Sorcery deals three damage to each creature. Choose an instant or sorcery card in your hand. It perpetually gains. If the spell would deal non-combat damage to a permanent or player, it deals that much damage plus two instead. I mean, it's a weird hard-to-cast three-damage sweeper, but it's still a three-damage sweeper, which would be, like, quite good. Town Razor Tyrant. Two red, red. 4-4 flying. When Town Razor Tyrant enters the battlefield, target land you don't control loses all abilities except mana abilities and gains. At the beginning of your upkeep, this permanent deals 2 damage to you unless you sacrifice it. So I don't know how many of these are actually going to be like mainstays of this made-up format, but clearly, you know, they're trying to make some of them good. Like, it is additional rares and mythics that they are hoping that you will craft or else they wouldn't have made them at all. Like reading through these, these are like the ugliest designed cards. There's like so little elegance here and a bunch of them, you just have to read them like eight times before you know what they do. It just feels like they didn't get worked on. Like they didn't get developed the way that magic cards are supposed to get developed and they just kind of exist. Yeah, I've actually seen a lot of people voice this complaint, like card designer people who think about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're like, I-, I get what they're doing here, but like, why did they do it like this sort of deal? Yeah. And one of the turnoffs for me is, you know, when you look at a magic card, it looks like a magic card should look like, and you can read it and stuff like that. And sometimes it's hard to parse, but you get like, especially when we're doing Strixhaven. Uh, you get through it a couple times and you're like, okay, I, I understand the card now. This was a disappointing letdown that there were two halves of this card and nothing did anything, right? But mm-hmm. you you got it. When I look at some of these cards, the text is so small and the words mean so little that I just mm-hmm. do not want to read it. It reminds me of looking at a Yu-Gi-Oh card, of which if you've never seen a Yu-Gi-Oh card, it's like 85% art and they cram the text box into this tiny little thing with like two-point font and they don't have keywords in that game so everything is just listed out and they're impossible to read you just have to tell someone what the card does to learn it i think is what it does when i look at some of these cards like ogler devoted assistant which i have not read i've just looked at the artwork and saw that as a two mana one one i it reminds me of you card because the text is so small <laughs> here's yeah Gutmorn, Packbound Serpent. I this text is his three mana one three flying death touch. When Gutmorn, Packbound Servant enters the battlefield, each player discards a non-land card. Whenever a player discards a card during your turn, they choose another player. That player conjures a duplicate of that card into their hand. It perpetually gains. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast this spell. One of the things that I really 
that really like bums me out about these cards too is that they clearly are paying lip service to like oh this can only be a digital design and like that's technically true for a lot of the cards but the vast majority of them are just doing things that you could do in paper magic with slightly different wordings and it just feels feels really pointless i want to give my favorite example of this because it's also a black card uh, yeah sanguine brushstroke which is a card mm -hmm. I, I actually really like uh it's one a one bb enchantment uh when it enters the battlefield create a blood token and conjure a card named blood artist onto the battlefield and then whenever you sacrifice a blood token each opponent loses one life and you gain one life so it's like a really mm -hmm. cool and flavorful card where you're making blood and you summon an artist that gets to use the blood even though yep. blood artists didn't really work with blood tokens, it's like a cool flavor thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and this card technically is digital mechanics because it's creating a card from nothing and putting it onto the battlefield. Mm -hmm. But that's usually what we call a token in Paper Magic. Yes. You could just make a blood token and a blood artist token, which I know they can do because they made a whole cycle of creatures in Future Sight that make tokens of existing cards. It's not doing revolutionary stuff that's like oh cool like this is the reason that we've moved to digital it's just like doing the same stuff that we did before in a different way and it feels really cheap the cards i think are the best at doing digital only stuff are the the drafting a card from their spell book mm -hmm. which is kind of a nonsense and it's the first time you hear it right but it's similar to like a hearthstone discover mechanic or any digital mechanic where you know cards create other cards uh, but mm -hmm. this time it's usually just the card creates other cards that have existed in the past and it's hard because i'm i'm looking at these cards in scryfall so i don't know what any of the cards from the spellbook does but i remember seeing ishkana there's a new ishkana it's a four mana ishkana uh, it's 3g 3-5 legendary creature spider reach other spiders you control get plus one plus two and you can pay two mana exile two cards in your graveyard and draft a card from ishkana's spellbook and Ishkana's spellbook is just a hodgepodge of various spider cards from Magic's history. So you grab whatever spider you want. I think it gives you a choice of three out of the collection. And you do that. And that's, I actually really like that as a mm -hmm. digital space thing. I think that's one of the things that's done really well in digital. The yeah. problem is it's really hard to communicate what the card does in, right. when you're just looking at it. Yeah, and that's a lot of the beauty and elegance of Magic the Gathering cards. Like, obviously, some of that, some of the, like, if I give you a card, you can know what it does. Over time, like, certain things you, you wouldn't, like, you can't just know what a Planeswalker does by, like, reading it and knowing how to speak English. And, like, you know, you need certain context for the game. But generally, like, the way that Magic the Gathering cards work is if I read it, I know what it does as long as I understand the rules. And I, you know, Mero has that refrain that he goes back to restrictions breed creativity. And it's just like, well, apparently not the restriction of being physical Magic the Gathering cards. Like, apparently that one doesn't breed creativity. We have to, like, break free of the bonds of fitting everything into the text box of a Magic card. And uh, I don't know, like the spell books are cool, but in a lot of ways to me that it feels like just another way of forcing a ton of text onto cards. Yeah, I think the bigger a card spell book is, the worse the design is. Mm -hmm. Like Ishkana, there's a million spiders and 
no one is excited to have a random spider. It's just a part. It's just free cardboard you get. But a card like, and I don't know the spell book, so I'm going to use a paper card because it's basically mm-hmm. the same thing. It's Garth One Eye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's basically just getting a card from Garth's spell book, right? You pick right. one of five, six extremely iconic magic cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the designs I like more. Like if Lightning Slinger was just grab a lightning bolt, a lightning strike, or an open fire or whatever, whatever three mm-hmm. lightning bolt there is, and you just progress through that, that makes way more sense to me than yeah. like getting a random spider or drafting a card from Arms Dealers or Arms Scavengers spellbook, which is a bunch of weapon cards. Yeah, I weirdly do kind of like Torolf's Disciple to an red three three haste. Whenever it attacks, conjure four cards named Lightning Bolt into your library, then shuffle. Because, like, I I can read that card and I know what it does. It's like, oh, it's making my deck denser with Lightning Bolts. I don't know if that's good or not, but, like, I get it. It's easy to understand. You only need to know one extra card, and it's got, you know, five words on it. Yeah, it's a card that everybody knows already. So my least favorite of these cards so far, and I, I know that, like, heavy negativity is not the most fun but i just like have to talk about these things and this is the place where i do that so assemble from parts is one black mana for an instant target creature card in your graveyard perpetually gains three and a black exile this card from your graveyard colon shuffle it into your library (laughs) so you exile it and then shuffle it into your library Create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 black zombie in addition to its other types. Activate only as a sorcery. So, 5 mana total. Ultimately, you get a reanimate that puts this back as a 4-4. This is an instant that gives a card in your graveyard an ability that you can only activate as a sorcery. So, why is this an instant? This gives a creature card in your graveyard an ability that's perpetual but then shuffles it back into your library so you'll never use it again. And it also does this thing where you exile it from your graveyard and then shuffle it into your library immediately. This is real, like, stalking Yeti energy. Like, (laughs) when it enters the battlefield, if it's on the battlefield, it fights target creature. Like, it just does all of these really ugly things to, like, deal with a bunch of corner cases when ultimately like zombify is just a better magic card than this in a huge amount of the time and this is like a rare that you need to craft in order to use it and i hate it so much i dislike the weird corner case things about this card more than the playability because it does it is a one mana card that creates an uncounterable zombify pretty Mm -hmm. much and there is some utility in that even if it sets it to a 4-4, which is, you know, some plus, some minus. You can build your deck accordingly. I'm, I'm fine with, like, the card card's effect, like, it, as it mm-hmm. exists. The problem is that it, like, promises this reward where you are... The card perpetually gains that ability. So right. the idea is you shuffle it back into your library, then mill it over again, and then make another 4-4. You have to build your deck so specifically in order to, like, meet that target goal of reanimating the same creature you targeted twice... when the goal really shouldn't be doing that as much as it should be finding which card is the best to put this thing on Mm -hmm. to make the 4-4 of Zombify. So it feels like it really muddles the, what is this card's purpose even? Like, are we trying to live the dream or are we trying to reanimate a creature? I'm just so confused. Right. And it's just such an ugly 
text box overall. And ultimately, like, even if you really do do it and, like, get to activate it multiple times, you know, you kind of just, like, built yourself a fancy centaur glade. Like, it's <laughs> not that good. It's not a thing that you... It's not a payoff you're, like, really looking for. Can I can I say something that I do like about the digital-only space? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the... Like, enough about the, like, conjuring and duplicating and drafting for spellbooks and whatever, like, the clear super marquee digital things i like it when they use space that you just can't do in paper because of mm-hmm. like honesty reasons so there's sure. this there's this black card in the set which is uh, break expectations it's a discard spell so every discard spell in magic if you're gonna pick a card from their hand they have to show you their hand so you're not playing this like dishonest game of go fish where you're like all right do you have a two drop and they're like nope sorry <laughs> that sort of thing uh, but this card is target player reveals all cards with mana value two or more in their hand. So you get to know exactly how many cards they have that meet that criteria, but you don't get all the free information that mm. makes cards like Jataxian Probe or Duress so powerful. And I really like that. Of course, that same card also drafts a card from its own spellbook so it's maybe not the best example of this because they like had a good idea that they could have run with and then just slammed right. more mechanics into it which is kind of emblematic of a lot of our no, problems yeah. like they really killed it with that right because like super interesting design space there in the first half of the card and then you know you can exile one of the cards they show you if a card was exiled this way that player drafts a card from break expectation spellbook and reveals it well Okay, I have no idea of the playability of this card or if I want to ever try it because I don't know what its spellbook is and everything hinges on, like, what is my opponent getting out of the spellbook? But the more they do... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I don't... It's so weird, that card specifically. But the more they do the... uh, Seek a card of a specific type, it's just, like, shortcutting draw, like... Uh, recross the pads reveal from the top mm-hmm. until you hit a specific card yeah. and then do something with it mm-hmm. that's saving a ton of words and it's really good uh, anything mm-hmm. that reveals cards from opponent zones where you don't get to pick them like i don't know if it's in this set but i could very easily imagine a cranial extraction where you just don't get to see their deck which is <laughs> <laughs> ideal to be honest because mm-hmm. i can't tell you the number of times i've played a paper game and my opponent cranials me or I cranial someone else and I get all their cards that I'm looking for. And then I spend the next 30 seconds or however much time I feel comfortable taking with the clock, just looking through their deck and what they have, which is not the intended purpose of the deck, but is a very powerful part of it. Sure. Yeah. I I completely get that. Uh, Speaking of that though, there is a whole cycle, I think, of completely illegible cranial yourself cards in this set and they are just the least parsable things i've ever seen so here's grizzled huntmaster one gg for a 4-3 human warrior when grizzled huntmaster enters the battlefield you may exile a creature card from your hand if you do search your hand and library for any number of cards with the same name exile them then shuffle Choose a creature card you own from outside the game. Conjure a duplicate of that card into your hand for each card exiled from your hand this way. So the way this works is you get to lobotomy yourself for any creature card that's in your hand. You can search for any, you know, get all of your copies out of your hand in library and graveyard. 
And then you get to wish for a creature, and then you get as many copies of that creature as the cards you exiled from your hand, not the other cards from your library and graveyard. So there's stuff. a point in exiling cards from your library or graveyard if you want to like maximize the value of this card? Um, I guess the idea is if I didn't want the copy in my hand, I don't want to draw the other copies in my deck either. So it's like, okay, I'm going to get rid of this Llanowar Elves because it's turn five or whatever. So I might as well get rid of all my other Llanowar Elves. But I just don't. It, it's so much and it's so confusing because it's, you know, conjure a duplicate of that card into your hand for each card exiled. Oh, so I get four from your hand this way. Oh, okay, I get one. So it, it just, like, is this weird, like, letdown read. And I don't think you get that much out of cranialing your you know your Llanowar elves out of your life like that's not that good and not good enough to like justify all of this weird text on the card what are the good cards like what are we looking for to actually try out in alchemy like what are the chase uh, rares and mythics i don't know like because i for instance i really like slayer's bounty the white clue because i like every clue <laughs> but i can't evaluate that card because i don't know what's in its spellbook <laughs> yeah i have no idea i think that that dragon is really good i think that it's the like very close to Av yeah i think it's very close to avalanche riders with a real body because you can't just take two a turn from your land if your opponent is putting you under any pressure at all i mean i don't know i've mostly just looked at these cards and like gotten kind of bummed about them because Progress just aggressively grumpier yeah, I, I just think it's a lot of really ugly designs. I do kind of like, I have no idea if this is, this probably isn't good. I do like Ethereal Escort, 2 and a white, 3-3 three, three lifelink. Whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, choose a card in your hand. It perpetually gains lifelink. I like that I can give a Chandra lifelink with it. That's really cute. Oh, yeah, because it's not just creatures. It's any card. Yeah. Uh, I like Electrostatic Blast. I thought the cards were really cool. Uh, it's mm -hmm. one in a red instant. Shock. And then when you cast your next Nestor Sorcery spell, you exile the top three cards of your library, and you can play one of those until end of turn. Yeah, that is cool. That kind of also feels like a card they could do on paper, but whatever. It does, kind of. But that, like, trigger, that delayed trigger lasts for the rest of the game until you cast your next. So it's, like, you know, memory issues. But probably could technically do it in paper, but, like, you just kind of shouldn't. I feel like if you gave me enough time, I could figure out a counterexample from not too long ago in magic's history that would make this card just fine to print paper but i i can't i don't have one off the top of my head i mean i don't think they've made any delayed triggers that like no no but they've certainly made it hard to track things yes that's true i mean technically because because certainly within the rules you can set up a delayed trigger that goes beyond turns like that's what misha's bubble does so yeah yeah that's ancient technology yeah, so that's, like, older than cantripping. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm sure you know, there's a bunch of cards here, like Tireless Angler. Two and a blue, 1-4. When an island <laughs> enters the battlefield under your control, draft a card from Tireless Angler's spellbook. Is that good? Like, it could be great. Certainly, a three-mana 1-4 that whenever you play an island draws a card, like, that would be a card I'd be interested in trying to do something with. But I don't know what this is. I don't know what this has given me. It's also kind of hard to evaluate these cards because I'm trying to look at ones that are good and don't turn me off by the size of their text box. 
Mm -hmm. and a lot of them you have to read a couple times to figure out what they do and then sometimes you're still not sure if that's good enough you know yes it's also a little off-putting that seek is always put the card into your hand so then when they have other things that are like doing finding a random card they can't and doing something else with it they can't use the seek shortcut mechanic they have to like write it all out so you know here's geist of regret four and a blue for a four or five flying when it enters the battlefield put a random instant or sorcery card from your library into your graveyard then put a random or put a random instant card from your library into your graveyard then put a random sorcery card from your library into your graveyard and it's just like didn't we solve this with the seek mechanic oh seek is only to your hand so you have to write it out whenever you're doing literally anything else with the card yeah seek is basically shortcut for drawing a card with specific characteristics and you don't have to show it to your opponent unlike in paper Mm -hmm. Uh, but when it's cards like this which could be we could cut that word countdown a lot if we could just when this enters the battlefield seek an instant and a sorcery card put both those into your graveyard yeah (sighs) some of these are like kind of cool I don't know. Like, I I am still considering, like, getting online when this is out and streaming some of a brand new Magic format because I do get excited about a brand new Magic format. Like, I, of course I do. I want to play the new Magic format. But I, I don't... Every, like, little detail about the implementation just makes me less and less excited about it and feeling more and more exploited by this. Like, the additional four sets a year that I would need to buy or craft wild cards, craft with wild cards from. The fact that my nerfed cards are not going to give me wild cards in Historic. You know, if I build, you know, the cards are, like, a little weaker or whatever in uh, Alchemy than in Standard. So I don't need to deal with Allrun's Epiphany because it's worse now. So I build a different deck, and then one of the cards in my deck ends up nerfed in Alchemy. And then I just don't get anything back from it. And that's really frustrating. It, it just feels like when you combine it with the super predatory nature of the arena economy, and it's just like doubling down on every bit of you can't dust cards. Everything is like pretty expensive. There is no progression whatsoever from playing constructed formats you just get nothing from constructed formats you get your like five packs a month basically and a a sprinkling of gold and then these cards you can't even like put the work in of playing limited to get because they're not in limited packs they're just like you gotta craft you gotta buy the packs or you gotta craft these with wild cards and it's just god it just feels like getting hit over the head with a hammer over and over and over again yeah i'm I've been off arena for a while for predatory reasons, mm-hmm. and this has not helped any matters because it's so. There's what sixty three cards in the set. If thirteen of those are uncommons, which I think is generous, uh, that's fifty rares or mythics, two hundred extra wild cards you'll need per set release if you want a full set. If you only mm-hmm. want half of those, if like you, if half of the rares or mythics are good, that's still a hundred wild cards. Yeah. And how many rares and mythics are in a, a normal magic set these days? Like there's 21 mythics and 60 rares. I don't know yeah. the rare count off the top of my head. Some, something like that. So this is like more than 50% more rares and mythics now each set release. If you want to keep up with the alchemy format. 
And certainly, you know, you're not going to craft all of these probably, but if their ratio of playability in that format is anywhere close to the ratio of playability of rares and mythics, then you are going to be spending about 50% more in order to play alchemy. With no actual increase in prize incentive or structure. No, absolutely not. Why? Well, why would they ever offer any prizes whatsoever for playing magic? Like... I, I, it's so mind-boggling to me that there's no progression at all. It's, like, this is supposed to be a video game, not just, like, a simulation of buying booster packs of magic cards in real life, because opening packs on Arena is not, there's no, there's nothing exciting to it the way that opening packs in real life or drafting with them or whatever in real life can be fun, and, you know, magic is the original loot box game and has its own built-in predatory thing, but... You know, there's no joy in opening a, a pack of cards on Arena. I and... when I played Arena, I just waited until I had ten packs, so it wouldn't take as long. Yes, that, me, that should illustrate right now. <laughs> that should illustrate how kind of meaningless opening packs is, or the experience of opening packs is on Arena. Yeah. Whereas in paper, if I like leave a store with ten packs, I just like it's all I can do to not open them, and usually I'll just like do it when I'm sitting around at home. So. Well, ideally, you just don't even get to leave the store because you start playing random limited formats with your friends like buying yes. out or whatever <laughs> just yeah, open them. exactly there's a lot more value to them and you get to open cool versions of cards which they have done a good job of introducing like some some neat little nuggets in paper cards right like i intentionally bought packs of strict save and collector boosters because i really loved the mystical archive designs and i enjoyed simply opening those packs and putting the cards into a binder like that was fun and a nice experience for me meanwhile on arena the best thing that you can open is always a rare wild card. always has been and always will be a rare wild card forever and ever that's the coolest thing that you can open it's awful it's a terrible experience well and, and like the only reason that i i am complaining about this so much is because I desperately want Arena to be good. It would be such a huge... It, it, it would, like, noticeably improve my life because I love playing Magic, and I can't go play Magic with my friends all the time, and I don't mind playing online, but Magic Online is really tough for me because of just, like, various processing issues and stuff. I... Like, the, the complete lack of, like, animation and life and anything to it, like, makes it difficult for me to play Magic Online for any long period of time. The, like, renting cards is just such a nightmare, like, such a barrier to me actually, like, going and queuing up matches and stuff. And I just can't, it's so difficult for me to get myself to play Magic Online. If Arena were good, it would be really nice. It would make such a huge difference for me. But I just feel like a sucker all the time for playing Arena. And, like, they just keep doing new things that make me feel really dumb for continuing to play Arena. I just I just want to be happy with it. Yeah, it's it's very disappointing. I've I've given up on it. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, mean, I play so much Legends of Ruterra because it's a good video game. Right. That I don't feel punished for playing. Which is, I sadly cannot say for Magic Arena. Yeah, I mean, just like... I mean, so many things we don't have in Arena that we should have. Stuff like Spectator Mode. Like, when Hearthstone launched... How many years ago did Hearthstone launch? 
It's 2014. March 11th, 2014. Yeah, seven years ago. More than seven years ago. And it launched with, like, these totally interactive game boards. And you, when you queued up a match, you would bring up, like, the slot machine thing that would roll up a worthy opponent for you. You know, just, like, little touches of joyful animations. And it's, whimsy. you know, it was... Yeah, whimsy. Yeah, it was, like, there was a bunch of voice acting, including just in the menus and stuff. The innkeeper would talk to you. Like, most of the cards had different voice lines and stuff. And it just felt developed and it felt like you were playing a game that was like made for you to play and have fun with and arena still feels like really dead as a game experience compared to something like that and it's many years after that the technology is very much there to do that but it just like doesn't happen and you know that's super minor but those touches make a big difference in making it fun and making it feel like a video game and and for me just like making it playable yeah i know we spent a lot of effort on like good game design in this episode specifically but honestly most people are just looking for things that make them feel like they want to play the game and those little Mm -hmm. touches mean the world (laughs) yeah no they really do i i remember opening up hearthstone for the first time and just feeling like oh okay this is like a triple a card game like this is what this feels like it's catering to me having fun playing this game you know what my favorite thing about hearthstone was i don't know i that's i i can't guess i'm sorry no no it's fine it's whenever okay i guess it's two things whenever i clicked on the sand on the arena because i'm i don't want to call myself fidgety that's too generous i'm impatient Mm -hmm. uh, when i'm playing games especially online when i can't see my opponent and i have no idea if they're thinking or just like dead (laughs) i spam the hell out of my mouse and every time I did them in Hearthstone, little puffs of sand would come up. And they yeah. lasted for a little bit, which means I could draw little patterns in the sand so I wasn't <laughs> as bored while waiting for my opponents to play. Because Hearthstone's not a game where you can play on your opponent's turn. You just have to wait for them to be finished. Mm-hmm. So if they're not doing anything and they're going really slow, uh, my mind wanders. <laughs> and that was my favorite part about Hearthstone, is that I could right. just click the sand if I get bored of that, I open the menu and drag my mouse cursor really fast over the mini buttons, which all make a little click whenever you hover <laughs> yes. over them. So it goes click, no, click, those, click, click, click. Those click, little click, click, UI, click. like tactile experience things are so important. Like picking the pumpkins and sometimes you get a boot. You know, like it's just. Yeah, that was those cute. Little, I really enjoyed. Yeah. I, I didn't personally care about that, but it was neat that I saw people like, oh, I got a boot out of the garden. That's so neat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'm just clicking on my sand over here. <laughs> yeah and and like obviously i would much rather that they first fix service stability and make challenges actually work instead of deleting eight cards out of your sideboard permanently from your deck and that like that standard didn't you know there's a bunch of things to fix first but boy does it just feel in every aspect of this product like we are getting shorted like we're just not getting the thing that it could be and it makes me so sad because i love playing magic this is my favorite game ever this is my 224th podcast episode that i've recorded about magic the gathering like i love playing magic and i love talking about it and all i want to do is sit down and have fun playing magic and not feel like i'm getting 
just completely railroaded by the piece of software that I'm using to play it. Yeah, I've I've told you my work is slowing down like around this season. So what I've been doing at spare time in the office is that I will just be designing cubes, like literally, in my mm-hmm. office, thinking about magic cards, pulling up all the scryfall searches, even making some magic cards because I want to try doing a little card designy thing just just for fun and at no point after spending four hours or whatever thinking about magic related stuff at work today did i ever conceive of the notion that i would open arena (laughs) yeah and that's just disappointing it's just just not the place that you think to go for magic you could you can play it on your phone and it's just not a you don't have any desire to do that. Like they've kicked they've kicked you right off the platform. Have we talked about how alchemy changes how historic works? Yeah. So these cards that come in to alchemy are legal and historic and any nerfs and buffs they make which don't affect standard but they do affect alchemy are live in historic. Which is really weird because those nerfs and buffs are clearly being made from a standard perspective. And it's not necessary to nerf a Sika's Chariot in Historic. I think it's like actively hideous to make a couple of these changes. In particular, they changed Luminarch Aspirant so that it triggers in your end step instead of in combat. They changed Goldspan Dragon such that it does not trigger on being targeted by a spell anymore. And I think those are both just like absolutely hideous changes to make to those cards. Like in standard too, but particularly in historic. I can forgive the standard shakeup nerfs, but when you mm-hmm. are removing the ability for Goldspan Dragon to do the cool like Vadrock right. Prismari command nonsense, which no one ever <laughs> thought to do until it happened, right? Yeah. That's that's really neat. And they're just removing that from historic now. Like it's just not part of the game anymore. I mean there's there's a couple of reasons this sucks. Like number one, like that's lame to not be able to do that. That deck is cool. That interaction is neat and if mutate can be good in historic because of that, then that's a good thing. Number two, like I think Goldspan Dragon is a really good card design. It's a really satisfying card to play with, and you just you feel good every time you cast it and it manages to resolve. You're like, I'm safe. And there's just like a warm feeling in your chest. Cause you're like, I got a gold span dragon in play. And that's just not the case anymore. Like the card has kind of lost its identity because now there's two versions of gold span dragon. There's the one you remember playing with and can still play with in standard, but you know, w- won't play in anything else. Cause it's not, re- it's not good enough for modern or anything. A- and then there's the version that sucks. And that one exists and is like just as much Goldspan Dragon as the one you remember playing. So the card like loses its identity when it could go down as like a classic, you know, marquee card. Like I remember Goldspan Dragon. Like what if, you know, we we still talk about Siege Rhino to this day. Four mana, four, five, trample when it comes in, drain three from your opponent. But what if like halfway through its life, it gets nerfed down to two life? Like... And then do we stop playing it? Is it like bad? Like, and then do we talk about it anymore? Is it a legendary Abzan card after that? Or do we lose that part of magic history because of it? I, I don't know. It's, 
a wild example for <laughs> Siege Rhino for me because I just missed standard that entire time. Sure, <laughs> but but people still I know like, you still you know all about Siege I, Rhino. I know and it's... all about Siege Rhino, and I came in like way after the card had reached its prime, way after. Mm-hmm. So whenever people were like, "Oh man, remember how good Siege Rhino was in standard?" I'd look at this Abzan card and be like, "Yeah, in standard, I guess I, guess I could see that." But and then like everyone's like, "No, no, no, no you don't understand." The second Siege <laughs> Rhino always wins the game. <laughs> Right, and like, right, there's a whole mythology about it where it's like Siege Rhinos always travel in packs. Like, it's a it's a thing. It's But, you know, and maybe it was a little too good for Standard. But a lot of things that become just like part of the fabric of Magic is because they were too good. Yeah. I mean, most of the cards people talk about, honestly, kind of why Cube is a format at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people choose to play i don't get it but people love that playing vintage cube they want to play with and against ancestral recall what if ancestral recall had gotten nerfed halfway into its life it like <laughs> i don't want to play the game of magic the gathering that doesn't include ancestral recall and black lotus in its history like that's important no th- no shade throwing on vintage cube that's an experience yeah it is and, and it's an important thing to exist like i that's a lot of people's favorite way to play Magic. I think the Luminarch Aspirant nerf is just completely atrocious. It's, you know, a classic. Like, now it is, like, a marquee white weenie two drop. But now there are, like, two versions of it. There is the version that is super sweet and part of one of the best white weenie decks we've ever had. And then there's the version that sucks. I mean, And that's, it's weird for the card to, like, not have its identity anymore. CCR white card has just had it good for too long. <laughs> it's been like a few weeks since Crimson Vow released and Mono White uh, had its rise shortly crushed by a million is it decks at the champs. <laughs> but for a while there, we thought Mono White was, you know, top of the top of the gang. And that was too much. Luminarch Aspirant had to go. Yeah, and so they double nerf the white deck. Faceless Haven gets downgraded to a 3-3. Luminarch Aspirant gets its trigger moved to like super awkward time. And I so to me, that betrays like I like I tweeted about this, but to explain what I mean, like that betrays like a fundamental misunderstanding of like what's going on in standard. When it's just like, yeah, the the white deck is doing one of the most powerful things in the format, so we gotta nerf it a little bit. But the reason the white deck and like monocolor aggro in particular, which is why Faceless Haven sees so much play, is so heavily played, is because Allrun's Epiphany slash the blue red deck in general just puts this clock on the format where it's like the only reasonable way to address this deck without also playing basically this deck is to attack as hard and fast as you can and try to play creature threats that, you know, I have the wrong answers for. And because they never give us dual lands that work for aggro decks, you have to play a monocolor deck. And then it just so happens that Faceless Haven is the best creature land for those monocolor decks. It's not Faceless Haven being... Like, Faceless Haven is very good, don't get me wrong. But it's not that Faceless Haven is too strong and that's why it's seeing so much play. 
is that the format gets shifted into a place where, like, yeah, you're naturally going to end up playing a lot of Faceless Havens because it just slots into the decks that you are forced to play in order to attack the Izzet decks. And it is so weird to me to say, like, oh, yeah, this card's too good because it has four power. It should have three power. It's not none of those none of the parts of that sentence are true. I agree and disagree with you. Like, I think that it is true what you're saying. Like, Faithless Haven is good because of a lot of format scenarios. And it's so weird that they chose to nerf, like, Goldspan Dragon in addition to Allrun's Epiphany instead of just, like, expressive iteration. Like, tack a man mm-hmm. onto it or whatever you want to do for it. Which is the card that is really the heart and soul of the Izzet decks. It's what gives them yeah. everything. But I also think there is some merit to nerfing Faceless Haven after nerfing the Izzet cards. Because, and maybe this is some of my bias, but I don't think Faceless Haven is a particularly healthy incentive to, like, be in a format. And the same goes with Mutavolt, but to a lesser extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Faceless Haven is a very powerful card. And it encourages you to play monocolor decks, which Mm -hmm. are really limited in scope sure but i i think that the fault of that is not only that like okay yeah you have this land that encourages you to play monocolored decks but it's just not possible to play a multicolored aggressive deck they keep never giving us the option to do that you know like you can technically put a vampire's deck together but that's in part because they gave you a land that you're allowed to put into the vampire's deck that's true <laughs> like you just can't build a two color aggro deck without doing weird stuff you have to have like either like 30 lands like the brushfire elemental gruel deck had or you have to have like treasure sources or something it, it, like the lands just don't work and i think that's a huge part of the problem here it would be nice if pain lands were more evergreen to the format sure like a type of land that is good at producing colors in early turns but not free to just jam in every single deck mm-hmm. i've actually really enjoyed formats where pain lands or shock lands were part of it just because the damage is not free mm-hmm. and you get to play a lot more wider range of decks and it just makes attacking with creatures just a little bit better format wide and that's good it's why i like if cubes contained signets i like it when they're talismans instead because the damage makes aggro decks just a little bit better Mm -hmm. it's like the same kind of principle i i think it is funny the level of nerf that they gave to omnath they both added a full mana to its mana cost and removed the draw card now you scry instead of drawing when it enters the battlefield also, Fabled Passage, not legal in standard, so I don't even really know how you would use this card in the, the alchemy format. They just wanted to have a no-ban list, I'm sure, on the alchemy right. format. I think they'll right. probably do the same thing in Historic. They'll just go through all of the banned cards and see what they could do to try to make them playable. Good luck with mm-hmm. Nexus of Fate, guys. Well, yeah, you can just up the mana cost to the amount that it requires... Although, yeah, I guess if they have to nerf and then unban Wilderness Reclamation, like, who knows? <laughs> I guess Wilderness Reclamation at 6 mana becomes very awkward, so. Or if it untaps at a different part, or if it doesn't stack. Yeah, or if it literally just, like, is Seedborn Muse, like, untaps on your opponent's turn. 
Yeah. Also, side note, uh, this Seaborn Muse thing reminded me. Some of the alchemy cards are worded as if uh, they're multiplayer friendly. You could use friendly, them in multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. Which is really odd to me because I don't think there's any plans to have multiplayer in Arena, is there? I can't imagine. There's no way. They're so far away from being able to do that. I haven't seen anything on the, like, what are they called? Status updates? Road Roadmaps? Roadmaps. I haven't mm-hmm. seen anything on that yeah. about multiplayer. Maybe I missed it. Yeah, no, no, here's this mythic. Whenever a player discards a card during your turn, they choose another player. That player conjures a duplicate of that card into their hand. I guess it's just because they kind of have to use the traditional magic templating on magic cards, and, like, that's how you would word that, but... I mean, you caused But the... you could just say you. When, yeah. Like, whenever a player discards a card during your turn, you conjure a duplicate of that card. Like, why wouldn't... Why couldn't you just do that? Yeah. yeah. Why, why give your opponent the illusion of choice? That's just very rude. Right. <laughs> Look at the cards. Look at the cards. I'm looking. I'm not impressed, to be honest. I'm, I'm honestly more disappointed in how they're changing Historic than anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean... Alchemy as a format with alchemy cards is whatever. I, I think it's interesting to have a evolving standard format off cadence to set releases. I think that's neat. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's in addition to standard, so who cares if they mess it up? Like you can still play standard if, if that's your jam. Mm-hmm. But the historic thing is so weird to me because it's a really established format. They've spent a lot of time cultivating, and they're kind of just throwing it away now to start rebalancing cards alongside standard or excuse me alongside alchemy yeah uh, that is definitely what it feels like like it's being sacrificed a little bit and it's probably not going to be that big of a deal but you are just like losing a couple of cards out of it like do you actually want to play luminar casperin anymore i mean maybe but it's going to feel really clunky and like awful to play like goldspan dragon is just now not a thing at all it's kind of a shame and and I don't love the way that these marquee cards just like lose their identity. It it feels really bad to me. One of the weird things about the article in Alchemy Rebalancing Philosophy by Donald Smith, the one I had to Google to find. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to read this paragraph. We will not be rebalancing iconic cards that have significant history behind them. Cards like Thalia, Guardian of Thraven, Lotus Cobra, Thoughtseize, and Negate are powerful but often used as references and examples to evaluate new cards and abilities rebalancing them would be too disruptive to those conversations if these cards cause issues we will look to address them indirectly through live balancing or ban them if necessary which sounds good but if alchemy were a format when lorwin existed there's no doubt in my mind thoughtsies would have been nerfed so mm-hmm. well like this is philosophy says all right from 2021 back iconic cards are safe but we will allow <laughs> no more iconic cards to be become iconic right right because anytime any card is at that level it's just going to be there's going to be two versions of it that exist there's going to be the like version that you kind of don't play anywhere and then there's going to be the shitty version and it's really weird if i'll just keep using thoughts as an example like if Thoughtseize came out today and they nerfed it, and so you have like good Thoughtseize and Standard and two mana Thoughtseize and Historic. Mm-hmm. 
do they then go back and be like, all right, this card didn't really see that much standard play, but everyone loves or alchemy play, but everyone loves it in standard. It was really good there. So we're just going to unnerf it for historic because that's a more powerful format. That's also weird to me, but I guess we can cross right. that bridge when they eventually do that. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like, obviously there's a lot of awkwardness there, but I would prefer that they do like if Goldsman Dragon is done in standard, then knock it back up. Let us play it in historic the way that it was intended to be played. But of course, that just makes me just don't apply these changes to historic. Come on. Yeah, they do do that in Hearthstone. I know uh, they'll go back and reevaluate cards they had nerfed previously and like unnerf mm-hmm. them for their wild format, I think is what the eternal one is called. I haven't played Hearthstone yes. in years. Yep, I, that sounds right to but me. But that that process takes so long because the Hearthstone team is so slow at balance changes that those cards are often irrelevant by the time they're unnerfed and i honestly don't think yeah. <laughs> i think the same could be said of the watsy balancing team if sure. their history on bandless updates is anything to go by looked at legacy I mean, recently <laughs> right legacy right just kind of a disaster right now and i mean if you look at this buff list it's just like the most inexplicable group of cards i've ever Philath, World Sculptor, Cosmos Elixir, Druid Class, Wizard Class, Demi-Lich. What? See, I actually like the Demi-Lich part, because that's a card people were excited about, but just wasn't good right. enough. Where yes, the rest, that's true. The rest, those, that's, I think that's a good buff, even if it doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. rest are all cards no one ever cares about, and have yes. no reason to even try. <laughs> well, apparently Cosmos Elixir is, like, one of the most crafted cards on Arena, because new players just kind of love the idea of that card but like then it's a successful card like it's doing its thing right like yeah. why bother if people are having fun playing cards and they're playing them even if they're bad you don't need to buff those cards right and because it can teach valuable lessons like cards that look good and i i there there is like a certain there, there's definitely a drawback to cards that look good and then like are a disappointing experience when somebody was excited about them but there's you know they also can teach lessons about card evaluation and stuff so uh, don't fix a card to like meet people's impressions of how good that card is like that's a really weird like cart before the horse sort of philosophy i think Ooh, that's an analogy i hadn't heard in quite some time <laughs> or metaphor whatever but at you know at the end of the day and this is what like tears me apart basically is at the end of the day there's a huge part of my brain that's still just like eh, new format, like new magic format. I, I want to get in on the ground floor of this. I want to play some of this new magic format and see what happens. And I'm gonna, you know what? Like I'm gonna do it and I can't help myself. And it's just going to feel, I'm going to feel so schizophrenic about it. Like I am just going to not be comfortable with it the whole time I'm doing it, but I'm still gonna. And I really wish that they could do it in a way that this makes is a, me... This is a trolley problem <laughs> that you're describing. Absolutely. I don't have an option that I will be happy with here. Checking out completely and not playing this new magic format and like letting other people explore it and not being a part of that is just not a thing that I will be happy about. I will feel bummed to miss that. But also, paying a bunch of money for these rares for this format... I'm going to feel like a sucker the whole time I'm doing that. I don't know how to get out of this situation. 
you've described a situation in which there is no escape. You just have to pick your lane. Uh, well, I did put up this bisexual lighting, so I probably need to stream. <laughs> Gamer lighting. It's all the same thing. All, all gamers are bisexual and all bisexuals are gamers. If you're not, you just don't know it yet. Okay. It's a weird Venn diagram to draw. More of a, like, and if you're a circle, if you're mad right now, honest. that's just internalized homophobia. <laughs> Towards yourself. That's where most of it comes from, I think. Okay. I don't know. Do we have anything else to yell about? I, I would have more to yell about if I had bothered to read any of these cards before the podcast. So, no, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we could go in a little more on the actual, like, previewed cards, but I'm not confident that I have the energy. I know that you will get distracted and rant about how badly something's worded. Oh, I know. They're just not good card designs, Lee. They're not <laughs> pretty. I, they're, I take great pleasure in elegant card designs. I Even if, like, there's a bunch of text, you know, like, cards can be really Warp parsable. World. Yeah, Warp World is a perfect example of that. Just, like, it takes a million words to say it, but you know what it's doing. You're taking your permanents, and you're turning them into random permanents from your library. And it, it's it's beautiful. And then when a card just uses a million words to do absolutely nothing, it feels just, like, come on. what's Especially these just, like, clauses to deal with every single corner case. It just feels so ugly. It, it's just like, you need to go back. You need to redo this design. I, I don't mind the digital space, but I do think they need to bridge the gap between how other card games use digital space is that their cards read very simply, but per behave mechanically complex. Mm -hmm. But that's not how magic cards read. Magic cards explicitly spell out every single thing that's happening, which is at odds with kind of the traditional digital card game i'm just gonna say that i'm gonna get a wish you get a wish card mm -hmm. and you just have to figure out what that is through repetition mm -hmm. or clicking on the ui or whatever mm -hmm. magic cards explicitly spell out everything yeah i wanted to let you keep talking no i, I was done. done i was done okay i felt like i had somewhere to end but i i lost it <laughs> no no like i i think that is really important i think that's a like a defining piece of magic card design that there is a loss when you like move completely away from it that magic cards say what they do and you can put it together by reading the card and some of these you can't just because like the wording is so bad and there's just so much extra stuff going on like with these cranial yourself cards and some of these you literally can't because they have the spellbook thing going on on them or whatever and there there's a a level of elegance that is required by the idea that like these every card in the game comes in packs of magic cards and you can like pull out the paper card and read it and use it as a game piece and then once you retire that philosophy and move on to you know digital space entirely and put those restrictions aside then it does change what the game is and in, in like a kind of irrevocable way yeah i am interested in i will read through all of these designs at some point just to see exactly what they did that kind of thing interests me even if i might take a few uh, tries i will eventually get all through all these cards and i am interested to see when you know the comic album expansion comes out when the capenna expansion comes out 
how their philosophy in these digital only cards evolves over time because i mm-hmm. think that'll really tell how how much they how much effort they really want to put in into introducing new cards to talk me because i know the first historic jumpstart horizons whatever that was called basically had no impact in historic there's a couple cards here and there but mm-hmm. for the most part it was just a waste of everyone's time yes yeah. I, I hope for alchemy's sake that that isn't the case and that they can make cards that are exciting to play with and look at when someone's previewing it and you don't have to ask them a million questions and, and i guess that is my concern because just reading these cards i think it it seems pretty clear that these did not go through a full development process because i i just don't think that the text boxes of these cards would survive you know a full set development process and you know that makes me think it's extremely unlikely that games of this format have been played so i'm really cautious about what how fun this is going to be it'll be an experience that's for sure yeah and if you get a few good stories out of it i'd, I'd consider that a success sure but standard keeps being such a mess and they keep making so many mistakes on cards and now they're just releasing like an extra half set for every set they release now do they have the staff for this are they can they pull this off is this possible i like it seems like a lot i mean i don't know what's going on at watsi right now but i know in the past they have typically just asked their current employees to just work extra parts of you know the cog one of the great traditions of capitalism really so it wouldn't surprise me if that is what's happening now especially since i don't think they went through any huge uptick in hiring well good luck to us <laughs> oh yeah all right thanks y'all i we do appreciate sticking around i even I know for the grumpy this episodes was, this is a pretty grumpy episode <laughs> next but time it is it'll hard. all be sunshine and rainbows We'll find something good. Um, I don't know what next oh, week has to bring. I do need to give a quick mea culpa. I was very wrong about Rakdos Arcanist. Just like yeah. it was the best performing historic deck in the tournament after I called it unplayable last week. So I do need to own up to that particular mistake. I, I think that the build that they played was very smart and cut Faithless Looting because you have Season Pyromancer now. And it's not a deck that the velocity of Faithless Looting actually matters in, but the card advantage and and filtering is the big thing uh and so they did make the deck a lot better and i i think it yeah and i I was just wrong about its positioning and stuff too so you know my bad but you know nobody was relying on my input on that deck to choose what to register in the pro tour which is the (laughs) only relevant historic tournament around so you know whatever we also prefaced i believe all that discussion with it's impossible to find any data about these decks. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and the last time I played Rakdos Arganist, I lost to everything with it and the cards didn't work. So that's all I had to go on. Uh, thanks everybody so much for listening. We do really, really appreciate your time, especially when we are being grumpy magic boomers. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash MTG grindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeo. That's it for us. Have a great week. Grumpy goodbye. 
Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha